Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Inside Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan. Dan, as usual, I love listening to you in workshops and presentations, and I pick up things that you say that I think are kind of interesting. And the one thing you said that I found very thoughtful and a bit provocative was you said, courage makes you younger. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a very interesting statement, and I would love to know more about it. So what do you mean when you say courage makes you younger? Well, I think just from a general point of view of people, when they think of courage, they tend to think that someone is performing in some area activity that has risk to it, possibly danger. That's part of the risk, the danger. But I think that there's a tendency to associate with people who are younger. I was thinking of the history of the Second World War in the Pacific, the lawn war, you know, in the South Pacific during the Second World War, that generally the soldiers, the Marines, they were mostly Marines who were going ashore, were 18 and 19 years old. Okay, and you think of these as being men, but they were barely more than boys. They were very, very courageous and very, very brave. And we associate that with a younger thing. But actually, from my standpoint, courage is a capability that is learned young and is continually deepened and expanded as you get older. I think that courageous people are courageous for their whole life. And there are certain individuals who are just going to be that way. But there is also, in the general scheme of things, there's a period probably between the time people, you know, are in their mid-20s to, let's say, their mid-40s, when there are opportunities that fall in with what they can be doing. They have newer skills in the marketplace. There's new opportunities. And they also have the thought of striking it rich, striking it big, when it's possible to do that so that later on when they feel they don't have the same energy and they don't have the same ambition that they're rewarded from what they did in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And there's kind of like a narrative about this. And it's perpetuated by novels and by movies and by television. But my sense is that for entrepreneurs, that's not a good narrative because entrepreneurism is an independent state. In the general scheme of things, entrepreneurs don't have to follow the narrative that's set for other people who are not entrepreneurs. They do not have to follow any kind of life cycles or path in life that other people do. They actually have declared independence from all that, but they haven't declared independence completely unless they realize the different challenges that you have as you get older. Okay. So I would say that right now I'm two years short of 80 in May. I'll be 80 two years down the road that my ambition is much, much bigger at 78 than my ambition was at 48. And you knew me at 48. So you can say, does this person tell the truth? Yes, I'm telling the truth about that, that my ambition is much bigger. And I think that my courage to trust in other people's abilities is vastly bigger than it was 30 years ago. That I'm much more willing to stake my future 
on trusting in other people's capabilities than I was 30 years ago. So ambition on the one hand and then this. And I think that's courage. I think I'm very courageous in believing that if other people have a unique ability and the opportunity is a good one for them that you can trust that they will take advantage of it in a very positive way. And those two things, I'm more ambitious and more courageous. That's fascinating, Dan. And I love how you talk about, just to unpack some of what you said, because it was amazing. I've got a page of notes already. Is that courage is a capability, which means to me, it's also a bit of a habit. So it's one of those ones, if you don't develop that capability early, it's going to be harder to get it later on. But if you do make it a capability, it can only, as you said, expand and deepen. And I think you're 100% right. For entrepreneurs, the other narrative is not a good narrative. It's really important that we have our own. And I look at you and it's, I have known you for 30 years, which is really cool. You personally have gotten more capable. And as you said, your trust in other people's capabilities lining up with yours, which has meant your capability is so much bigger, which means your ambition can be so much bigger, which is a whole part of our bigger future concept. But it's been really interesting to see. I mean, your proof in the pudding of that particular way of aligning ideas. So I think that's really interesting. You become more confident and clear in your own capabilities. And that also, I think, has allowed you to see and appreciate and bring to bear other people's. So if you think about your $15 trillion free zone ambition or- Living to 156. Living to 156, mm. number one. <laughs> and then also just the, you know, going from, well, one really to 10 major market books with that collaboration with Ben Hardy. I mean, you are way more ambitious mm-hmm. than you were when I first met you. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting to see actually. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It makes a radical difference of how you look at courage. And I think there's almost an accepted mindset that in the normal course of people's lifetimes, they will have courageous periods, periods where they're courageous. You know, we see this depicted fictionally, mainly. And my feeling is it's not a period of society. It's not that that courage is a capability like any other capability. We have a formula in coach called the four C's that in order for you to grow, and you want to grow in two ways, you want your capability to be greater and you want your confidence to be greater, that in order to reach those two endpoints of greater capability and confidence, the first thing you have to do is commit yourself to achieving something that right now you don't have the capability for. And that's scary. That's automatically scary if you commit to a result, an outcome, an achievement that you don't have the ability for, but you're committed to it, you're going to go through a period before any new capability takes hold or comes into play when what you have to go on is courage. So there are these periods of courage that you have to go through. And then what you notice is that the commitment and the courage actually create the new capability. You're not getting to something that was inside of yourself to start. You're creating something new inside of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's capability and confidence, which everyone wants. Confidence is actually a reward of committing, going through courage, and then developing a capability. So if you do all those three and create a new capability, you get greater confidence. And out of that new confidence, you can make an even bigger commitment. Mm -hmm. I love that. So to me, it's cyclical and it's a skill that's learned. You know, it's got mindsets attached to it and it has to be tested 
on things outside of yourself. It has to be tested, you know, that the achievement could be witnessed. Your growth of capability can be witnessed by other people, and it has impacts. Like our capability, Shannon, that's developed in two years as a company of doing Zoom workshops. You know, and I don't know if we were great at in-person workshops, but I know we're great at Zoom workshops. And the other thing is the skill that we've developed to do podcasts together, the skills that we've done to do the audio and video part of our quarterly books. We've developed all these capabilities. And we take on a new book now. We're operating from a very, very high level of confidence because we've developed such capability for doing that. But my sense is that that's not age-related at all. You know, at 77, I'm incredibly more capable of being courageous in relationship to big goals than I was when I was seven years old. Mm -hmm. I think I'm more or less the same person. You know, I experienced myself as the same person, but just with vastly more capability and confidence. And when I look forward to 100, I see where I am right now will not be equal to where I am at 100. Which brings up the topic, if you think that at a certain point in your life, you can stop being courageous, my feeling is that's part of what kills you. Well, that's what I was going to ask is, so why is this so critical? It's because what's the cost of not being courageous? Well, I think, first of all, it's <laughs> one of the things about courage, it's really scary. <laughs> one of the things about courage, it doesn't feel good. You know, I mean, we mess this up because we... We say, you know, that people who are really confident are being courageous. I said, no, they're being really confident because they have a lot of capability. Courage is reserved for those situations where we're acting as though we're confident, but we're scared because mm-hmm. we're lacking the capability. The capability is being created in our being committed and courageous, and then it'll take hold. And then you actually do have confidence, but you don't have confidence when you start up. So my sense is, you know, I wrote the book, My Plan for Living to 156, and I got to three things in, this is three or four years old now, the book is, and I would add a whole number of things to the things which people run out of. And they die because they run out of friends. You know, you only have friends in a certain age group. And then all of a sudden that age group starts dying and every year you have fewer friends. You're not making new friends. And after a while, you're alone. You don't have those close, warm relationships, okay? That's number one. Number two is you run out of money. So let's add these up. You don't have any friends and you don't have any money. Now you're at the mercy of the charity of strangers. That doesn't feel good. You don't want to spend time around here. And number three is you've run out of purpose. You had a purpose to get to a certain point in life when you didn't have to work anymore, and then your friends start dying and you run out of money. So if you have someone who has no friends, no money, and no purpose, I have to tell you, life isn't very enjoyable, and you don't want to stay around. But more and more, I think there's several others. I won't go into them today, but I'll go into the one. They run out of courage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the big thing is they no longer 
think in terms of taking risks for something bigger and better. Now, you can call that ambition or you can call it, but there's a point where in order to get to something bigger and better, a result that's bigger and better, you have to give up some of what you're doing that feels safe and comfy. (laughs) You can't do that anymore. If you want that bigger and better, it doesn't come free. You have to pay for it. And so you have to go through this period of courage to develop the new capability that allows you to produce those bigger and better results. My sense is that act alone, more than the other, first of all, if you do that, you got lots of friends. If you do this, you got lots of money. And if you do this, you got lots of purpose. So I feel that this courage thing is actually continual, growing, perpetually expanding courage is the secret to staying young. Mm, That's very cool, Dan. It also strikes me as, you know, first of all, it is a danger with really successful people that they go from having, you know, kind of what you're talking about with people between their 20s and 40s, is they go from playing offense and really striving hard to achieve that ambition. And then they get to a certain predetermined point, and then all of a sudden they start playing defense. And you're like, what happened to this person who was super interesting and learning and testing and trying and, you know, risking things? And all of a sudden, they're like, nope, they turn into like protection mode. It's almost like it's missing some creativity. It's kind of interesting. We're reaching the point where the people who were the live wires in the tech revolution of the 70s and 80s, they're really getting old looking. They're really old. They're in their 60s and 70s now. And they have these views, these global views of what humanity has to do. But you don't get any sense that they have any personal risk and courage in their life anymore. They're so well off because a lot of them are multi-billionaires that they can't really, really experience risk and courage as they did when they were in their 20s, you know. They have money without meaning. They have money beyond meaning. There's no, there's, you know, one of them is the biggest landowner in the United States. He owns like 250,000 acres. And I said, well, does he visit at all? I mean, does he make a regular tour of his 250,000? No, he's just buying it. It has no meaning. There's nothing going on on that real estate. There's nothing. He just owns it. It's dead real estate. And my sense is that, Quite a long time ago, and I think probably a good 30 years ago, he stopped wanting to risk anything and stopped wanting to have to have courage. I think he didn't see risk and courage as something that kept him sharp, that kept him very, very energized and everything. He saw it as something that he didn't want to do anymore, that he had done enough of that and he didn't want to do any more of that. It's just an observation, but I see it because I'm older than he is, and I'm much more ambitious than he is. So, Dan, what do you suggest, I was going to say needs to be, but what would be a more beneficial narrative, especially for entrepreneurs because they're the ones most capable of implementing it? So I'm sure it's the one that you live by. So what's the healthier narrative, especially for entrepreneurs? I think keep trying things that you can fail at. Right. (laughs) Keep taking risks that... You're risking time, you're risking money, you're risking probably reputation, and you can fail. 
Okay, so you really got to gear yourself up. You got to be scared that you're not going to fail. And I think that has to be at least weekly. Oh, that's interesting. I think it has to be at least weekly. So what are some of those things for you? A lot of mine are just brand new ideas for entrepreneurs. They're paying me a bundle to be in the workshops and learn these. I have a goal this year of probably producing 50 new thinking tools. You know, they're not going to be equal to each other when they come out. Some of them will be one-day delights, and the other ones will go forever. And you don't know. You don't know whether they are or not. But the one thing that I think you should always risk, that you think that the formula that you don't have to worry about anymore, you have a formula for success, is that may be wrong, and it may actually be heading you towards failure mm. and that you should think deeply about what you think you're counting on and actually doing that. So there's lots of things about it. You know, a lot of it has to do with constantly trying new things mm-hmm. and being open to other people trying new things that kind of strike you as wrong, but you want to see what happens when they try it out because you might learn something. Well, that's actually the word that came to mind as you were talking. It's like staying really curious. Alert, curious, responsive, and resourceful. (laughs) Where have I heard that? Yeah. Yeah, staying open, you know, alert, curious, responsive, resourceful is perfect. And not assuming you know, not getting trapped into that way of thinking that, oh, my way is the right way, or I've tried that, it didn't work. Well, the world progressed since you probably yeah. tried it again. And yeah. when something is new and different to you, it doesn't mean it's not interesting or there's something to learn from that. Because my question was going to be, how do people take action on this? And you've answered it brilliantly. Do something that scares you weekly and you'll have that sense of, you know, being youthful. And the other thing is, you know, because I love your kind of adage, every decade make <laughs> friends with a younger person. You know, I'm kind of marking this because... In the 10 Times workshop program, I have my first 50-year client. People say, you got somebody who was in the program for 50 years? I said, no, I have someone who's in the program who's 50 years younger than I am. He's an entrepreneur in my program, and I'm 50 years older than him. And yeah, I checked him out. He's a real honest-to-goodness entrepreneur, and he's bright, and he's successful, and and I think he's courageous and everything else. And I said that. I'm open to someone being 50 years old, totally impressing me as much as I am somebody who's been an entrepreneur for 50 years. And one of the interesting things to make friends with people in that age group, and I know exactly who it is because he and I are also friends, is that there's a commonality now because both of you are trying new things. Both of you are experimenting. Both of you are testing. Sometimes both of you are failing. So unless you are going to make friends with people in their 20s, teens, even 30s, 40s, that's the mindset, right? They're not set in stone. They don't consider themselves to be fully formed. So it's almost a relating point that I can see mm-hmm. that is like both of you can connect, but both of you are having new adventures in the world. You might be, you know, 30, 50 years different. doesn't matter. <laughs> You're still thinking about the things the same way. Well, the other thing is that he's confronted with the same challenge. He's got to do things that are scary for him yeah. to grow. But the big thing is not to see your life as a period where you have to be really courageous, but then it comes to an end and then you get to go on cruise control. 
No cruise control. I love that. So stay courageous because that will keep you young and don't go on cruise control. Mm-hmm. I love that. Dan, thank you. This is a very interesting and invigorating conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you.